What's going on? It's Adam. Welcome back to Bringing It Backwards, a podcast where both legendary and rising artists tell their own personal stories of how they achieve stardom. On this episode, we had a chance to hang out with Citizen Cope over Zoom video. It was rad to chat with Citizen Cope. He was actually in the studio that he recorded uh, the most recent record in. He was working on a new project, so it was cool to kind of see where he recorded uh, the new album. So we chatted with him uh, again over Zoom video. He talks about where he was born and raised, born in Memphis, but quickly moved to Washington, D.C., split some time between D.C. and West Texas. He talked about the first instrument he was interested in playing, which was the trumpet. Uh, he started guitar at an early age, always wrote poetry, was in the chorus and choir growing up. Citizen Cove talks about the drum machine that he got and four tracks, and that's where he started making his own demos, eventually leading him to join Basshead. Citizen Cope talked about his time uh, working with major labels, eventually going fully independent, starting his own record label, and putting out the album The Rainwater LP. He talked about what it was like going fully independent and doing records himself. He produced, self-produced all of his other previous stuff. But he talked about the differences in doing everything independently versus working with a major label. We also hear about the One Lovely Day album, Heroin and Helicopters. He talks about the album he put out in 2021 called The Pole of Niagara Falls, which he recorded at his house. It was a bunch of just stripped down versions of some older songs and a couple new ones. One of those songs made it to his new album, which is coming out, called Victory March. So Citizen Cope talks all about this this new album he has coming out. We talked a lot about this amazing trumpet solo that kind of kicks off the album, really tying it back to that first instrument that he was interested in playing. You can watch our interview with Citizen Cope. Again, he was at the studio that he recorded this new album out. So it was super cool to chat with him from there. You can see that on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be amazing if you subscribe to our channel, if you like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. And if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, we'd love it if you follow us there as well and hook us up with a five-star review. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're Bringing It Backwards with Citizen Cope. Sweet. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much again for doing this. Thanks for having me. Thank yeah. you. I'm Adam, and this podcast is about you and uh, your journey in the music industry. And uh, we'll talk about the new album you have coming out. I love the couple of singles you've put out thus far. Okay, great. Cool. Um, I have did... you heard the record yet? Yeah, I have a stream of it. I didn't know how okay, deep great. you want me to get into it. Because, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just know that it's coming out later this year, so I didn't know... Uh, we didn't okay. have a release date or anything. So, but I had right, a chance great. to hear it. It's it's an, a fantastic album. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah so you, you were born in where in Memphis, Tennessee? But were you, did you grow up there as well? I was born. I was grew up in Washington D.C. Okay, so you yeah. born in Memphis. When did you move to Washington D.C.? Were you really young? I I I'm not. You know, I I didn't spend. I said I only spent a year in Memphis. So I like I, I really am from Washington D.C. Pretty much. Okay. But I had a family in in Texas, so I spent every summer in a small town in Texas called Vernon. 
Oh, cool. What part of Texas is that? Where is it? Uh, West to? Texas, like three hours west of Dallas. Oh, very cool. I have family in like Plano, Texas, which is like Dallas Fort Worth. Oh, I've yeah. heard of Plano, New Dallas. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So uh, between Texas and, and D.C., what was it like growing up? Uh, I mean, at least in D.C., it sounds like you spent more more of your time there. Yeah, I mean, I was pr- primarily there, but I was able to get kind of like uh, – kind of a, a pretty good dose of what it was rural America was like kind of mm-hmm. West Texas and then lived in, in Washington, DC as well. It's kind of like more of a political town. Yeah, for sure. Uh, what about music? Do you come from a musical household? No, I don't just listen to a lot of records pretty much. Um, there was a lot of music around in the car probably like everybody's house at that time sure and did you get into like uh piano or anything like that at an early age or like when did you start i mean I, I, play? I was enamored with with music um at an early age and tried to play the trumpet was my first instrument um and and we we could we could take musical instruments home from our school and uh mm-hmm. in elementary school and so you could pick an instrument that you could want to play if, if, if you wanted to. And I picked trumpet. So that was my first one. Did you play that for a while? I mean, in the new song that you just released, the, there's a dope trumpet yeah. in the yeah. beginning. Yes, yes, yes. I, I realized pretty quickly how, how connected you had to be to play that instrument. Um, and it was not something that, uh, I don't think musically my evolution and music understanding it was at that point yet. So, and then I picked up the guitar when I was like 13, a friend of mine, it played in the, it lived in my neighborhood and, and we just started jamming out a little bit, taught me some chords and, you know, that's where kind of the genesis of that came. And I didn't find myself particularly proficient at that either. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started writing poetry and, you know, singing school choirs and things like that. And um, then I got a drum machine and started in a four track and started kind of messing around with, you know, making demo tapes. Oh, well, is, just, was it just, would you play guitar on them or was it just your, uh, I would play like really and- basic stuff. And then I got into like, cause music, Understanding music was such a mystery to me. I felt like it was like an ordained thing when I would see people because I, I would see people who would really play. Mm-hmm. Um, in my high school, there was some like kind of prodigious type talent um, and singing. And also there was a trumpet player there. <clears throat> uh, I was even related to, to Dizzy Gillespie. And, and oh, wow. you know, so, I mean, you had... Uh, a, a, a range of stuff that you, you know, I thought it was more like uh, something that had to be gifted in that level t- to you. And I, I saw enough. People, so I just, I didn't feel particularly like that. And then when I started writing lyrics, I felt, wow, this is something I'm, that just kind of happened. That was, that was kind of special. That I felt it, it kind of came from a, from an interesting place. And then once I, 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 uh, really fell in love with listening to records 
And then that kind of led to me wanting to produce records and make records. Um, uh, I, I, you know, and then I got a sampler and, and kind of had no idea about anything about a song or the structure. I just listened and missed, would be mystified. I remember listening to Willie Mitchell, uh, uh, instrumental album, the guy that produced Al Green. He okay. had a record record company called High Records, and he did his own solo records. And this is a friend of mine from Austin, Texas, had turned me on to this uh, uh, to this to this record. And I, I just, how do they do this? And you know, I got a sampler and started kind of understanding like bars and all these things that 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 you kind of in sequences. I didn't even know what a sequence was. And, I, you know, had friends with similar gear and I'd call them up or, you know, if I knew somebody had one, I'd call him up. And, I'll read the manual, read the manual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Back when you couldn't just YouTube it <laughs> yeah. to actually break the manual out and so like there was physically a lot of, try to a lot, learn it. A lot of, a lot of people I leaned into pretty heavily, but, um, it was uh, so I kind of started understanding the structure of songwriting and then then started doing spoken word over some oh. sampled stuff and then started bringing melody into it. And then really had learned the drum machines and the samplers and all that kind of stuff and made kind of like a demo with that kind of stuff. And then put it all down. Cause I was like, man, you know, I can't even just sing my grandmother's song, you know? So I just kind of picked up the guitar and, uh, back up and, and started tooling with that one string at a time and, and, and kind of coming up with some melodies and, and then the other instruments would come in my head and, and kind of work from a production that way. And then incorporated my drum machines back into that style. Oh, okay. Very cool. And you also you played in what in a, in a group too called Basshead early on. Was that before all this, or were you doing kind of them at the same time? I started my demos and stuff like that early, so okay. that that was um before, prior to Basshead, and that's actually how Michael Ivy heard my music was my first demo. And oh wow! He asked me to join his band, and because he was about to go on the tour, and I didn't have. M- I had nothing to do with his first record and very little to do with his second record. He was, um, Michael was a, had just a really great vision of what he wanted to do and, and, and a voice and a point of view, like really a brilliant artist. Mm-hmm. Well, I got to kind of go in the studio with him and he, he had a independent label or a major deal at the time. So I kind of got to learn a lot from him. And then one, yeah, and you also, you played with him for a bit and then you ended up getting a major label deal soon after that, right? Or right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, in the late 90s, and then it didn't, that first record didn't come out. And then I had to get another record deal and then uh, finally get put out a record in 2002. My yeah. first, my debut record. And a, a massive album too. I mean, coming out, you had a gold single or a gold record on the on the album right away. That's but huge. It, no, it took about twenty years for that to go. Oh, did it really? Yeah, that was actually kind of a big flop. Uh, the first record was. Um, I didn't realize for, that it took a minute for it to then 
to, to generate enough uh, sales for the gold? Yeah. It, I mean, by the time that Universal took it off the shelf and it sold 15,000 and it's probably sold, you know, 400,000 since then. Wow. That's wild. Yeah. I, I used to work for a, a radio station in San Diego and we used to do this show in the morning called Wake and Break on Saturday mornings. We would play uh, a lot from that. I mean, we, we would play record songs from that record. I remember. Oh, the first album. Yeah. The first album. I think right, Let right. The, the Drummer Kick, I think we played quite a bit. Thank you. You're the, <laughs> yeah. one, that, you're the one that played it. <laughs> you probably we played don't. it. I don't know. I mean, I played it a, a handful of times. So I don't think I, I sold you 400,000 copies. You were probably one of the only stations that ever played that record. We played it quite a bit. I mean, our uh, program director oh, okay. at the time, or like the assistant program director, was a massive fan of, of you and, and actually reggae. So he put on this show that was kind of all similar sounds and, and it was, it was a rad record and it, and it was a cool show, but we put that song on. That's great. Thank you. Yeah. 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 Um, you ended up going independent, started your own label, a couple albums in. Yep. I did three records with majors. So I still have, you know, those ties and, and um, I've done about four or five on my own. What was it like going from, you know, the major label world to then, doing it yourself like was that a hard decision to make or well you know what it was is like i usually when i signed with the different companies because i had different situations and then the companies would go under like dreamworks kind of didn't exist anymore when i oh, saw yeah. it i moved to arista and then arista dismantled and you know kind of got bought by sony and and, moved, and all the people got fired and so it had happened a couple of times. And then even when I went and then I, 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 they put me at RCA, but essentially it was, it was just a, um, it was the people that I, I, I was attracted to in, in all those situations. Like I had really good record, man, you know, really good people that you could call and play a record for, or else you would know they would listen to something to have good feedback and good, like, so I think that was, that was, to me, that was my, my, uh, what I loved about being part of that is being part of a conversation with people that had made big records before. Like that's mm -hmm. a huge asset. Um, so, uh, it just, and it got to the point where it was just like, you know, I was at RCA and there was, there wasn't really anyone that I could trust in the art, you know, RCA staff that really knew about like classic records, like, kind of my prior people had and I just decided I've that was the one because I didn't really get on the radio and I didn't get these press and all these other things you know I, I, I really was attracted to to you know the expertise of some of the record men that were involved in the companies that I, I, I signed with mm -hmm. but you had a chance to like you self-produced a lot of those first albums too right even though you're on the major yep I yep. mean, that's pretty yep. I, not because sometimes or at least now or a days they would they try to be like, oh, well, yeah, that's well, let's put you with this person or put you with this person. Um, well, did they did that. They did that back in the day as well. I mean, pretty much. But I, I'd made my own demos to start out with and and kind of had that as a record. Even the first record, they asked me to work with Bob Power or asked me to work with the producer on it. And 
it ended up, you know, I'd done drummer already and that kind of thing. So that was like the big song on the record. And if there's love was done. And, and so I kind of think that they had, you know, Lenny Walker had the, the, the confidence in me as a record maker and he had kind of done enough people from Prince to Randy Newman to, uh, you know, Neil Young to, to kind of have that knowledge about what it would take to make a record. So I was lucky in that sense that I wrote my songs and I, I, that was what I got into. I didn't get into it for like to be an entertainer. Just, you, you just, you preferred the songwriting aspect of it all. Songwriting and record making, you know, that's yeah. that was what I really got. Not even the live performance, like the live performance was a huge, like Achilles heel with me. Is that right? Do you remember having yeah. like, like where your early shows, you just weren't, it just wasn't as. It just I just wasn't, wasn't something true to not, it. like, I didn't, I didn't ever have that feeling like, Oh, when I got on stage, I knew this is what I would have to be doing for the rest of my life. You know, I love hearing those stories that I just wasn't, I wish <laughs> I was, you know, I wish I like, I knew the second I got on the stage, I was like, no, the new, I knew that, you know, I, I remember looking at myself in the mirror and saying, uh, what have you chosen to do? you've chosen to do the hardest thing that, you know, by going in front of people and performing something it was, was frightening to me. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it sounds like even when you were growing up and younger, you know, putting, getting the drum machines and getting the four tracks and kind of creating your own records and demos that way, that was what really, it seems like that's what really drew you into music anyway. So it's like going and then it doesn't, it makes sense to me that you enjoy that part of the, yeah. the business. And I don't even think when I got it, yeah, when I got that, I didn't think that's what I was going to be doing for, like, I just thought it was cool. I thought drum machines were cool. I thought they sounded cool. Like, how do you do this? You know, mm -hmm. oh, the demos turned out pretty well. And, you know, then I guess I did start to pursue to become an artist shortly after that because I caught the music bug. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I didn't realize like the importance of being able to perform. Because yeah, it sounds like the the back end stuff was more of your what you you wanted <laughs> to do, and then you kind of like okay, well now you have these records; they're doing well. You got to go play them to the yeah. masses, <laughs> or to get a yeah to get a record deal. You had to play live, kind of thing, you know, right? So. Um, well, uh, I love uh, obviously what you're doing with the new album. I want to talk to you about that just real quick on, uh, kind of the, the previous three records, like was obviously, uh, you had an album in 2012, one lonely, uh, one lovely day. And then it, about six years later, you did the next record in 2019. Um, was there kind of a high, like, what would you say? Like a milestone from that 2012 record was, and then heroin helicopters. I had, a, I had a daughter in that time and I was just, you know, touring a lot. And quite honestly, I've been kind of beaten down because I felt like I'd made, you know, four or five phenomenal records that kind of didn't get noticed. And, 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 and so it was kind of like, all right, let me restructure how I want to, figure this out you know and it, you know it was it, it was also just kind of an inspiration thing you know was i inspired maybe a lack of inspiration you know because I, i'd started touring and once you start touring you don't have that autonomy anymore you don't have that you know early on 
you know, I, I mentioned him earlier, but Lenny Walker is like, you know, write as many songs as you can because once you start making records, it's harder. Mm. And, and, and so it, 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 you know, there's a reason why, you know, that, that, that creativity kind of, you know, you lose as a writer, your autonomy, you lose kind of being the fly on the wall, you lose kind of the things that thought you thought you were struggling with. They might be financial or, you know, you might have a pretty girlfriend now, a little pocket full of money. <laughs> you know, all these, all, these, all these things that that kind of, you know, that inspire you as an artist are not your daily life routines anymore. You know, you're jumping on a bus, doing a show. Your energy for that has to go into a whole different energy, which is performing. And and so uh, it's not the same as woodshedding and, and writing songs and, and making records. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, you just being on the road that much and having to put your all into all these performances night after night after night and then driving to a different city like, yeah, I, I have so much respect for artists and, and musicians. And like, I couldn't even imagine doing that. I mean, as a kid, I was like, oh, this is amazing. And then I watch it. And I'm like, that's so much work, you know, like get yeah. up every night. And then in the meantime, having a label or even just fans like, when's the next album coming out? You're like, oh, like I got to, you know, sit down and write like this is wild. Yeah, I think, you know, writing is life experience. And if your life experience is in that bubble of kind of, you know, let's call it what it is, is it's not the realist kind of reality. It's not, um, it's a very surface reality where your most of your conversations are about you. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of questions from people because people are, you know, if you meet people or whatever, they're intrigued and, and everything, but that's not a normal scenario, you know. Thing. Right. Or people get to witness somebody going on the bus and, you know, hear a song, somebody plays a busker on the side of the road or a conversation at the coffee shop or whatever, and it's not attached to your, you know, profession. Right. Right. Because, yeah, you're uh, just in a different, a different setting for the, for the yeah. most of it. Yeah. Um, going well, I think into that's what, yeah, sorry. sorry. No, 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 no. 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 No, no, no. But I guess go. to make a long story <laughs> short, I think that's I think one of the things that happens with inspiration is is when your energy shifts in in this industry from creating to maintaining what you've created, that can be a difficult thing. And I was like really lucky with this new record where I feel like, wow, I'm inspired again. I'm making great records again. And I was like, I didn't think that that was possible. Well, yeah, the new album is amazing. So yeah. real quick, um, stepping into like 2020, I mean, you put out the pull of Niagara Falls two years, I guess two years ago now, it's 2023. Uh, was that an album you had finished going into the pandemic or was that a record you wrote then? And then how does that uh, lead into these new songs? Just recorded that um, acoustically in the house. And then I'd written some of those songs a long time ago that I kind of never got out. I wanted to kind of put some of them in there. And then 
there's a song called The Time Comes Around off the Polar Niagara Falls. And then I, I did a version on the new record of that with like instrumentation and orchestration. And so that, that kind of led to that. But, um, you know, the Victory March is more about a celebration of life and kind of enjoying the gift of life that we're given because it's been easy to forget that you know, in this chase that we live in out here, uh, you know, being born in, in kind of a very functional and progress, you know, economically progressive country that, you know, you get thrown into a chase at an early age. And, um, you know, so it's, it's kind of like, taking a reprise and, 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 and understanding the gift of life. Mm-hmm. So w- was there a mo- like, was that song off of uh, the pool in Niagara Falls? What kind of sparked the inspiration? I mean, you said you, you, you got inspired again to well, write. Pool of Niagara, pool of Niagara Falls was, that was more of a dark record. Cause it, a couple of the songs came from shotguns, which I made in the late nineties. And that's the record that didn't come out. So, oh, okay. Yeah. So no, there was a transformation that happened. You know, I stopped drinking, you know, I have a, um, you know, on a long-term relationship on and on, uh, relationship with my, um, my daughter's mother that, that ended and, um, all good, um, as far as like amicable, but, you know, so, so a lot of life changes happen and, Mm -hmm. and also just kind of, looking at my motivation at what I was doing. And I had to really answer or ask myself some deep questions on my motivation into what I was doing in my life. Mm-hmm. Well, congr- congratulations real quick on the, the drinking thing. I, I'm uh, <laughs> I'm a member of the <laughs> of AAs. I don't know if you go that the 12 step route, but uh, yeah, I, I also uh, don't drink. So I, I know the difficulty yeah, there. Uh, yeah. I was having a, it was, it got such a, you know, it was, uh, I don't, when you perform, it, it, it was an interesting thing because it just got, you know, and I can drink a lot and I enjoy drinking. Um, mm-hmm. So it's some, a situation of, of, of the next day and all this stuff and all these things to do and being on the road. And then when I looked into it, it was really, kind of more of a mind thing because when you perform your adrenaline goes up and I did some studying on what what happens with there's a really interesting article in the Guardian about how there's some kind of chemical thing going up that gets your adrenaline going and then Uh you finish performing and you you want something else and and it's it's kind of a You know, so they did. It's a chemical reaction to where uh, I think that it kind of leads people who do the arts to substances. And now there's also a question of whether you're pre predetermined because of the life you lived uh, to be kind of or to to what you experience in life of whether you will be you know have problem with 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 drinking or or, or, or drugs or anything. But but I thought it was it kind of made me, it, it put a, a good 
perspective on it and what was actually happening and 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 i'd been trying to stop for a while and i was like either i'm gonna go to rehab i'm gonna go and go to the jungle and do some iboga treatments mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> or, <Yeah. laughs> which is or, yeah, i've heard a lot of people actually doing you know the ayahuasca yeah. thing yeah and I, and, and I, you know, there's, a, there was something called Iboga that's even more powerful, like the granddaddy of that, you know, people have been getting heroin, off of heroin with it, you know, obviously with shamans and everything, but I, I, I didn't, um, and, and then I'd read up on, 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 on all that kind of like rehabilitation, rehabs and stuff, mm-hmm. but I'd, I'd also read that they weren't always very effective. And if, essentially, if you weren't ready to, to quit and I, you know, I'd, I've been praying about trying to stop for a while. So I felt like I really, you know, wanted to, mm-hmm. and it wasn't, but I don't feel like regret or anger that, you know, I know that some of the things that I did affected, you know, my life as far as like, you know, drinking that much because it's just like I was drinking more than I should have. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I don't look back and, and, and feel like, oh, this was an awful time in my life. I actually look at it as an experience that I learned from a great deal from, and I was able to I'm glad I learned from it. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. That's amazing that you, you stopped. I mean, I feel like a lot of people in, in the program and stuff will talk about, you know, it, it comes to you, other, if other people make the decision for you, it's not going to stick, right? You need to make it yourself. And it sounds like you got to that point. Where you're like, I'm, you know, I've, I had my yeah. fun. I did it. Like, it's move forward now. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it took me, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, I, I, I think that's amazing. Uh, congratulations I, I, to you as well, man. Oh, I cheers yeah. to that. I mean, that's so cool. I love to hear these stories. Um, but um, so coming I into, I don't want to get too personal with it, because but, but I just like you know, there was a change in my life, and and that was one of them. Well, I appreciate your, you yeah. know, your honesty and your vulnerability. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, with just to, you know, kind of stay on this new record for another minute here. I'm, I know you're short on time or you're in the studio. I don't want to take up too much of your time. Uh, but uh, going into this album, I mean, being able to do a song from the pool of Niagara Falls and kind of adding the the bigger elements. And, and you said that was more of a strip. I mean, obviously a stripped down version of that, those songs that you had written like going into this did you have a lot of ideas or are there certain instruments that you wanted to use that maybe you haven't done used before i think i just wanted my vocal performances to be really great and i think that's that's kind of where a lot of it came down to getting my vocals right and my guitars right and 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 then adding everything else and um I had kind of a vocal breakthrough out of a, a, a vocal teacher who had been telling me the technique for years. She passed away right prior to COVID. Oh, I was sitting there in the studio and it just clicked what she'd been telling me all this time. And, um, and, and so, so a lot of like kind of mystical things happen around the record. So I think, I think, you know, you can sit with a song sometimes and not have the vocals right. So I was just like, let me get the vocals right with the guitar and the click, and then we'll bring everything else. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that was kind of a, a different approach, even though I'd done that on some songs in the past. But, 
know, the majority of this record was kind of cut um, with me and a click track. Wow. Well, it's again, I, I love the record. I love this. I really think it's cool that you talked about having the trumpet be the, the instrument you brought home. And then uh, on the new single, it's like, it drives the beginning of the song and it's, yeah, it's yeah. just it, such a cool, it's a cool, it's such a cool thing. Yeah. It was like, it was just like, a, you know, I heard that calling, you know, it was like a calling, you know, it feels like, uh, and it's, it opens the record. It kind of makes me feel like, you know, like Gabriel is, is, <laughs> is, 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 is kind of like a single trumpet line and uh, the trumpet player delivered it beautifully. It's yeah, it sounds great. I didn't know if I was going to ask you if you played that part. <laughs> if I didn't right. play it. I sang it to him. I was like, bah, 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 bah. Now, the fact that he actually nailed that is really harder because the tone is sometimes when you're, you you play, you know, if you don't write down trumpet, you yeah, know, like, like parts and everything, if you do that, some guys can't adjust but this guy was 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 amazing pro um we had a whole session of horn players in here for that song and i was like hey can you do this thing (laughs) (laughs) did you record the record where you're at right now or yeah well i did some at my house most of it was done at my house but i recorded a lot here at the village i've recorded a lot of records here wow studio in in santa monica the old Masonic temple that was kind of bought by Fleetwood Mac and oh, a long wow. time ago and then sold. So they, they bought this after rumors. Oh, really? And yeah. then, yes. And it was just their studio and then they ended up renting out rooms I, later down the line. Or- I think they, then they sold it or something to yeah. somebody else. And it became, <laughs> you know, like there's all these plaques around here that none of them are mine, but <laughs> Until this album comes out. Until this one, we're going to get the village a nice black. Hell yeah, you are. <laughs> well, I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much uh, for doing this. I'll let you get back to, to work. Um, I have one more question. I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. You know, I just I always say, you know, listen to and follow your first instinct. You know, that's the hardest thing to do. And, and I think that a lot of times what's inside you is better than you think. People want to know who you are. They don't want you to be somebody else. They don't want you to be the, this version of that person or the, you know, like they, you have your own unique experiences that, that only you can share and only your vulnerability and your emotion can get there. And it's like, don't be scared. That's, that's the scariest thing to do is is to find where where your thing is. And secondly, is is really understand it to enjoy the process. You know, that's one thing that I wish I could tell myself is to enjoy the process. And the third thing I would say, which is actually the first thing, is you will need some kind of spiritual foundation. Uh, because um, the higher you get, the less breathing room there is, you know.
and 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 that will be a great help whatever it is prayer meditation uh you know belief in god whichever one <laughs> you choose to uh but i think there is some um underst- i think there is a a deep thing with you know some kind of peace of mind and that whether it's meditation or prayer or anything like that thing, I think it's important to have a spiritual um, foundation. Amazing. And know, within, know within it's you, it's you. It's not somebody else that can teach you. It's not a guru that's going to teach you. It's not another artist that's going to help you along the way. It's, you know, you're going to have to really find that within yourself and and confidence within yourself, which is the hardest thing, because artists have normally come in with 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 confidence issues. For sure, yeah, I I hundred percent agree. I appreciate your time. Yeah, the the, yeah. the imposter syndrome type. I get you know. I would imagine that'd be a hard thing to kind of shake. But um, well, I mean, I think most artists, if you really look at it, they come from situation where normally they're probably how they were raised wasn't uh the most healthy environment that's why they're having something to say mm-hmm. and um and that's why people also identify with them because people feel you know all of us have had everyone's had our stories and everyone's had our our our, our, our good and bad times and i think that um when you get that opportunity to do something like that and, you know, there's still self-doubt and that's why it's pushing you to the spotlight because you know, you don't want to fear it. Mm -hmm. So you're going for it. And, and I think that, but there's still, there's self-doubt and, and and you were kind of almost forced by something different, you know, to push you in that, in that direction. So, um, that's that's something that you know fear is 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 what what holds us back in life and i think that you know i I would just say that to any young artist is to have that spiritual foundation and and believe in yourself because all the other people the gold records the good reviews the the pats on the back when you you know when, when your successes happen is is really only going to matter if you feel that. Mm-hmm.